Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the uh, the Scott Gibson Show. I am Scott Gibson. Who else would I fucking be? Probably is the question uh, to start us off. This is episode, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's not as if I do many other podcasts. This is episode 74. Jesus, I didn't think we had done that many. Episode 74. Welcome, uh, dear listener and dear viewer. If you're watching this on the YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Hit the wee bell. Something happens. I don't know. I don't know what, you know, but all these uh, trendy influencers, YouTuber types always say, hey, smash that bell, whatever that means. So, you know, smash your bell and uh, you will be, uh, you'll be, you'll be greeted in the afterlife by the, the god uh, Heraco of the, of the, the, the chime lord, what the fuck are we talking about? Episode 74 of the podcast. Uh, welcome, hope you're safe, hope you're well today. We record Tuesday the 23rd of March, um, a day that happens every year, that's how calendars and time work, but today, the 23rd of March 2021, is a very special day, because it is one year since lockdown, one year since the first lockdown, obviously we're now into our, our third lockdown. Third lockdown, you know, um, very much. Uh, we're very much experts on the on the lockdown situation. But one year ago today, one calendar year ago, uh, back in twenty third of March, twenty twenty, when we still had a little hope, many of us, myself included, yes, I have been proven wrong. I am often reminded of a conversation I had with my mother when she was in a panic state when she thought, and I quote, the aliens, Scott, it's the aliens. Now, I should have done the right thing as a responsible son. I should have had the woman sectioned right there and then. If if your mother ever phones you and says that she is concerned that the red mist is coming and it's something to do with aliens, I should have had the woman sectioned. I had a lot in my plate, you know. I had a lot in my plate. Gigs were getting cancelled. The diary was being obliterated. I'm not going to phone up the uh, the loony bin and go, listen, 
No, this COVID carry on. My mum thinks it's aliens and that, know what I mean? Sending a van, thank you very much. I don't even know how you would have somebody sectioned. I see it all the time in the movies. I don't know the process. Is there an app? Is there an app for that? <laughs> That's the advert Apple needs to get on. Somebody in the corner eating cold soup and they're in shite. Their family puts the door in to be greeted from a from a scene like an Irvin Welsh novel. And they go, like, don't worry, there's an app for that. You jump on the smartphone and uh, a lot of people come and take you away in a private ambulance. How would you get somebody sectioned? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to you. <laughs> Dear listener. Yeah, there's nobody in this room. Just me. I don't know. Uh, let's hope it never happens. Let's hope I'm never, I'm never tasked. Let's hope there's never a situation where delegation dictates that I am responsible for having someone sectioned. Uh, I'd rather do admin, even though I'm terrible at that, you know, possibly put together a flyer. Right? Organise snacks for an intervention very much in my wheelhouse. But to be given the sole responsibility of organising the, uh, the actual sectioning of the nutter. Uh, you know, the chances are they're going on the run now. Can you describe someone as an utter these days, or is that is that uh, is that not the right pronoun? I still don't know what a pronoun is. You know, we've we've obviously spoke about in the the last Sunday service, um, which I hope you you enjoyed. It was a ramble uh, about the, the 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 strength, the power of language. You know, and how I myself am, I'm trying to be a bit more conscious of the words that I use. So maybe nutters know the right. Maybe Nutter's not the right term to describe somebody's lost their mind. I don't know. But anyway, one year uh, since lockdown. I hope you're, I hope you're safe. I hope you're safe and well. Um, I'm looking at some bits and pieces here. Some dates. Um, <clears throat> 16th of March. Public are told to avoid non-essential travel uh, and social contact uh, and to work from home where possible. See, this is all coming back. I, I, I have got a, a vivid memory of the first gig that was cancelled. So I I I I did a gig at the uh, museum, National Museum of Scotland here in Edinburgh. It was they they were having they have these kind of theme nights throughout the year. Now I, I first did one when it was a uh, I did one at Hugmanay. Or was it Hugmanay? I can't remember now. I think it was. Or was it a Robert Burns night? I think it may have been a Burns night. Anyway, they had some kind of Kaylee thing. And I remember going along thinking, this will not be very good. And it turned out to be great. But again, it's one of those things where, the na- if you've never been to the National Museum of Scotland, you should go. Um, it's, uh, how, how do you, here's the thing, you can't, the, it's, uh, it's a lot, tits and teeth. The National Museum of Scotland is a lot of tits and teeth. Uh, style over substance. The building, stunning. The, the outside of it, on the name of God, stunning. Absolutely stunning. If you took that big jolly fucker that, that likes to sleep in fucking shepherd's huts and, and uh, turn his garden into an observatory, whatever it has, George Clark, if you took George Clark there, he would convulse in the floor in orgasmic joy. It's a beautiful building. They seem to have uh, excavated I think it's a technical term they fucking dug out the front of it right it's all kind of this kind of brushed steel you know you know that kind of that looks off a rusty but that's that's the way we want it to be rusted steel beautiful inside so exposed stunning you go up to the main bit and it's it's almost feels like the deck of a ship in some parts it's I can't say this strong enough the inside of the building is absolutely stunning now what is then contained within the museum is it probably can be described as a lot of shite. Um, you know, for example, when you hear uh, these things like the Kilo clothes sale and it's like vintage clothing, right? And you think you're going to go along and you're going to find like a vintage pair of Levi's or uh, an original Adidas top, right? Something that's very old, very stylish. And then you get there and you realise what's happened is they've raided an African village 
and they've taken all the clothes for the refugees, they've washed them, they've cleaned them, and now they're trying to sell them back to us, right? It's a fucking shit tip. That's kind of the National Museum of Scotland. Now, a lot of stuff has, has came out of Scotland. A lot of stuff's happened in Scotland, you know? But, eh, uh, it's just no, it's just no that exciting inside, you know? They've got, they've got a few coffins, which I thought was weird, uh, kind of design coffins for Uganda. You know, I'm uh, I'm really trying to talk this up here. A uh, couple of bits of textile, we love a bit of clothing. Uh, just for it being a national museum, it's uh, it's not very exciting. But they have these theme nights. They do different things. And one of the exhibits that they had on, or this kind of new thing, was like a, a dinosaur or... Uh, it was a dinosaur exhibit or season or something. I, I wasn't listening. Um, but they put on this event to launch it. And it was great, man. It was about fucking, what, 800 people, 900 people there? Unbelievable. And uh, they had music, the DJ. Uh, I was kind of hosting it. Well, I wasn't kind of. I was hosting it. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a bit of fun. It was nice. It was good. Um, it was a nice wee gig. Again, it's one of those things where I find it with a lot of big venues, like, you know, large museums or... Sometimes when you do these kind of corporate things, they it would really help the business to have someone on, on the board or on the in the management structure, who's almost from a performance background or theatre because there is so much you can do in that space. Like that, there there should not be a weekend of the year where there isn't an event on, in that in that building. As I'm sure there are endless museums across Scotland, you know, or or or. Other buildings, other council government buildings, just beautiful, beautiful spaces that would lend themselves to a number of different types of, of live production, whether it be theatre, whether it be comedy, whether it be music, whether it even be a fashion show. When I was, I remember standing in the, the kind of, I don't know the fucking terminology for it, I'm standing in the bottom looking up and I'm going, fuck me, man, what a, what a place for a catwalk this would be. You know, sometimes I think they need to they need to do some more of these spaces. But anyway, so that, that was the last thing I did. And then I had a very good night. Uh, and I remember coming home. There was talk of COVID, as there had been since the turn of the year. We thought it was just a, 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 an Asia thing. Um, I remember having conversations with people going, it'll be another kind of SARS, but it'll be contained. A little did we know. And uh, yes, uh, then flash forward to the Thursday. So that weekend, I was meant to be hosting, uh, what was it, um, what would you call it, I don't know what it was, I was, I was hosting two gigs in the Glasgow University, in their museum, as part of the Glasgow Comedy Festival, and uh, I remember coming down the stairs and John Lewis, checked me out in Edinburgh, phone rang, and uh, to tell us that the first gig had been cancelled, and uh, they were going to keep us posted for the second one. And then got a message later on that day to say that the whole thing had been cancelled. And uh, that was it. And that was the start of it. And that was the weekend before the 23rd. And uh, and then that was the start. And then since since that point, the whole diary was completely obliterated. And I've spoken about this before. It was, it, was, it was a hard one for me to take at the start. No, that's the wrong thing. It was kind of easy at the start because we were all dealing with us together and we were all in the same situation. But as time went on, uh, and obviously you start to then struggle financially because you're realising, you know, how stupid you've been over the years where you should have been saving for these kind of things, but how you may know there's going to be a fucking global pandemic when you get completely shut down. Um, and I suppose in a personal point of view, it's the first time, like I've mentioned before, I had started a tour uh, at the beginning of 2020, and uh, it's the first time I'd sold I'd sold out all the dates. Well, I'd, I'd I'd sold out the first three dates, which I did, and I was about to do the fourth date at the end of March, which had sold out. You know, and I was I was confident of keeping that momentum going, and it's the first time that I have, you know, I've sold out at the start of a tour. Uh, so I was excited. I was excited about kind of pushing that momentum and and getting it going. I was I was happy with the show then. Um, that was the show White Noise, which is still yet to tour. So I don't re don't really know what I'm going to do with that. Um, 
so yeah, so then that that kind of was a bit hard because I thought, right, well, we, we had that kind of momentum and now we've had to stop and now we've been gone for such a long time. I do feel as if I've really taken not not quality wise or performance wise, like I'm you know I'm writing and this this new show is going to be going to be good. I'm very confident in the new show, um, but I do feel as if I've taken two, three, four, five steps back. I really do feel as if I'm back at the start again with building that audience up you know and it's a listen it's just going to be great to get back to work again get back touring and get back gigging again but it's uh you know it's going to be a it's going to be a slog and that's going to be the next kind of mental push to get through that but the days we've got here um from this this kind of brief uh look back over the year so 16th of march public are told to uh avoid non-essential travel 18th schools are told to close from march 20th until further notice uh, 20th of March, restaurants, cafes and pubs that close, and then March 23rd, Prime Minister announces the first national lockdown, telling people they will only be allowed to leave their homes for limited reasons. Non-essential shops are told to close. Remember that? Remember how, how I can remember when it first, when we first had the lockdown, and you were allowed an hour's exercise. So I've also got the dog. So you, you know, I'm taking the dog out what four times, five times a day. And especially at night time, when I was going out to like, you know, so he'll go, obviously, in the morning, gets his walk, he gets a walk at one o'clock, he gets a big walk at lunchtime, and he, he, because it's, we've done it so regularly now over this year, because I've had this this year of almost getting things kind of structured in a way, he, uh, you know, come kind of half past 12, he starts getting fidgety, as if he's like, uh, where's my walk? So he knows he gets a walk at one o'clock. Uh, then he gets a walk at five, and then he gets a walk uh, just after we have our dinner, and then I take him out again at night um, before we go to bed, right? So that last walk at night, back at 11 midnight, it felt so eerie. It, it almost felt as if I was doing something wrong by being in the streets, you know? I can remember thinking I wanted to walk up to the castle and uh, like come down the Royal Mile and be in the old part of Edinburgh, just to see at night when there is literally no one in the street and how eerie it felt. I remember once, maybe around about April time, taking a walk uh, up over Northbridge and going going towards the meadows just to do something different with the dog. And being at the kind of cross junction of the Royal Mile, so you're heading up to the castle at Northbridge or heading down to Holyrood, and not a single person on that street. And normally in Edinburgh... Literally any day of the week, any time of the year, you stand in that corner, it's fucking mobbed. Mobbed with tourists and locals. Mobbed. Not a single person on it. And it felt so eerie. It felt so strange. It it felt as if you were in a way you weren't meant to be there. You know? It just it felt it felt horrible. Um I'm looking at some key dates here in Scotland, but we've probably all been through these anyway. April 5th last year, Scotland's Chief Medical Officer resigns. Uh, April 20th, NHS Louisa Jordan Hospital opens, which was the... I mean, what's happened to that? How, how many millions were spent turning the SECC into that fucking death bunker? What have we done with that? May 29th, uh, route map out of lockdown begins. Oh, shit. 10th of July, face coverings made mandatory in shops. I mean, sometimes when you think back about that as well, so we, we've gone from the middle of, effectively the end of March to, what, the middle of July before face coverings became mandatory. 3rd August, eat out to help out launches, and that is when the government decided, right, we're going to send them back out because we can afford to lose another couple of thousand. Not enough have died. We've not taken enough off the top. Send them out, and we were all eating out to help out, remember? Reduced meals. You were going to restaurants, bars, cafes, pubs that you would never dare set a foot in because they were there a fish supper for six quid. And we all ate out, and we all helped out, and then, you know, another couple of tens of thousands of people died. Eat out to help out. Fuck me. 5th August, uh, local restrictions are just in Aberdeen. A COVID outbreak in Aberdeen prompted the government to announce the introduction of local restrictions to halt the spread. August 11th, schools reopened. 1st September, local restrictions introduced in Glasgow. Remember that? Uh, that was about the times when we were trying... We thought we thought we were on the road out come August. 
I remember we'd booked in some gigs and then she shut everything down again. Local level systems implemented start in November. Pfizer vaccine revealed 9th of November. First vaccination ministers of Scotland 8th of December. Tightening the Christmas restrictions 19th, 26th of December. All of Scotland moves into level 4. 4th of January, new lockdown in Scotland. 15th of January, suspension of all travel corridors. 10th of February, 1 million people in Scotland vaccinated. 15th of February, hotel quarantine introduced. 22nd of February, some school pupils return to classrooms. Blah, 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 blah. Follow scheme extended. 17th of March, 2 million people vaccinated in Scotland. It's been an odd year. And let, let me just say this as well. I I have got, I have received my letter for my vaccination, which, two two things to talk about. One, I don't understand why I have been chosen to be vaccinated. It doesn't give me any information in the letter. The letter itself, in fact, I've got the letter here. Uh, the letter itself um, just indicates that you, it says here, dear Mr. Gibson, that's me, uh, you are now being offered the vaccine that will protect you for COVID-19. Your appointment details for your first dose of vaccine are shown below. Showing below. Um, I suppose interesting th- couple of things to think about if we know anything that, about politics uh, and if we know anything about the legal setup uh, and if we think about how w- the both governments uh, Scotland and Westminster have approached the role of this vaccination it's quite interesting that the the use of language that's been used in the letters uh, is that you have been offered the vaccine I imagine there would have been what days weeks of debate strong argument back and forward as to what the language of this letter will be, because the sad truth of it is there will be people who will decline the vaccine. Now, I am not going to get into a debate as to whether or not you, what your thoughts are on the vaccine, what conspiracy theories are on the vaccine. I had I had listened to a... a an interview with a, a, an American uh, doctor. And it, again, can I, to touch on slightly what we talked about on Sunday and in the Sunday service, the, the power of language is incredible. But the, the, the power of hearing is just as important as the power of language. We are so conditioned now to listen for buzzwords. Certain people are anyway. There's there's very few people who actually listen to a full conversation, listen to a full debate, listen to a full argument, listen to a full discussion, can digest that content, take points from it, regurgitate it, work from it, learn from it, whatever. Very, very few people are willing to do that. What we want now is headlines, buzzwords, taglines, two or three, a whole one-hour discussion summed up in a sentence. That's what we want. And we take that and we move forward and we pretend we're experts. The discussion was about what the vaccine does to you. So the the vaccinations for previous uh, outbreaks, so things like you'd be vaccinated against MMR, Mumps, measles, rubella, you'll be vaccinated for the flu. These are all things which the medical world classes as dead viruses. So it's something that no longer exists, theoretically, in, in mankind. And they vaccinate you against that. But COVID-19, coronavirus, is, a, is very much a living virus. So instead of the vaccine attacking or, or, or protecting your DNA against attack, what this vaccination does or part of the vaccine does is it can alter your DNA so you are not affected by it. Now, what people took from that discussion that was a podcast that was listened to is then they then kick off going, oh, because people just hear the word altered and they think, I'm going to grow an extra finger or, you know, this is how they control you. Bill Gates wants to put a chip in Mars. And the uh, the, the guy who is a, a, a virologist uh, professor went on to say that nothing he has said is a reason for not being vaccinated. He's just explaining how the vaccine works. That's it. But again, people take from it what they want. Now, here's the thing. That, that the fact that people are opting out, scares me a little bit. Because are we going to get to the point where 
we start to call out people who have not been vaccinated? I don't think so. You know, it's not going to be like the old days, is it? You're going to be walking down the high street and there'll be a red cross painted in somebody's door. The plague! <laughs> don't go in there, hen. That bastard's not been vaccinated. Don't trust him. <laughs> That's the point we're going to get to, isn't it? You know, when people put car stickers on, like RFPC or I've adopted a dog. It's you guys just need to put like, a big needle in the back of your car. Vaccinated. I mean, here's the thing: it's never going to get to that point, right? People might sit at home. People might go online. People might be be very vocal on going. See if you don't get vaccinated, you're a fucking bastard. You're never coming near me again. Bullshit. However, if we were to go back into another lockdown. Let's say we finally are released in June, as we hope we are, and we live out the rest of 2021 in blissful happiness. And then come January 2022, boom, back into lockdown. I can assure you then, the mood of the nation would change even darker than it currently is. And those of you who are not vaccinated will be led to a big bonfire and you can all fuck off. So the other thing about the, the vaccine that I found very interesting was um <coughs> I don't know how many more of you have been have been given your your letters or your vaccination dates. Are, are there some of you who are not going to be be vaccinated? If you're not, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love I'd love I'd love you to tell me a reason why you're not going to be vaccinated. Uh so here's here's my problem. Got the letter. And uh, my vaccination date was March the 19th. Uh, it was outlined in the letter. It was outlined where I had to go. Uh, very clear instructions of the time of arrival, what I have to do before I get there. And then it gives me a list of uh, contact phone numbers. Contact numbers. Um, if I have to, one, I'm unable to make the appointment. Uh, and also if I don't want to receive the vaccine a number to contact, I then have a, a unique user number, uh, which is my reference uh, for actually then physically getting the vaccination when I arrive at the vaccination station. Now, the only thing that kind of fucked up this process, because it all seems very straightforward, it's all black and white, all the information I need is there, there's no grey areas, this is your number that you need, this is where you're going to go, this is the date and the time when you go there, please arrive at this time, please do this, this and this, everything's perfect. The only problem I have is that my vaccination was on the 19th of March and I received that letter on the 20th of March. Now, can anybody within the Scottish Government see where the problem is here? Huh? Can anybody see the problem in sending vaccination letters out after the date that your vaccination is meant to be? Now, when I called up, I was uh, I was told on the phone that they're experiencing a high volume of people who are receiving their letters after the vaccination date. What fucking hope is there for this country? Now, listen, I am 100% behind the SNP. I, I've said this before, I, I'm, you know, I'm for an independent Scotland. But there's just a couple of things that we keep fucking up that doesn't look good. What hope is there when they are experiencing, in their words, high volumes of people who are receiving their letters after their vaccination dates? Now, here's my question to you. If I download that app that tells me if I'm in a pub and somebody's farted and it smells like COVID and then I've got to stim myself for two weeks, why the fuck can I not get an alert through that app that tells me I have a vaccination? Why do we have to go fucking old school and still send letters through the post? Because do you know when what's happening? You are relying on the fucking Royal Mail to get it on time. Anything that involves human error... You're just adding another chance for it to be fucked. I, I honestly couldn't believe it. When I opened it, I, I said to them, because I actually thought it was a scam, because I don't, I don't know about you, I mean, we'll talk about that in a minute, the amount of texts I'm getting on a daily basis now. Apparently, I have to contact them about my HSBC account. I've not even got an HSBC account. 
When I opened it and it says your vaccination is the 19th of March, I says, what day is it today? Since the 20th. I went, right, is there a special fucking time-travelling capsule that I can go to? Is that how advanced Scottish government has now become? Not only are you getting your vaccine, you're getting it in the past, before COVID even started. You turn up to the fucking vaccination station, you go inside a pod, we teleport you back to before fucking COVID happened, and we give you a jag. What an advanced way to protect your citizens against COVID that is. Most other countries are just jagging their arm and hope they don't get blood clots or fucking convulse or die in the next couple of days in their bed. Not the SNP, not the Scottish Government. We take to the vaccination station, stick you in a pod, transport you back 12 months and give you a jag before it happened. Bravo. What a pile of shite. So, phone up at the weekend. Um... Explaining what's happened, I'm told over the phone that, you know, don't worry about it, we're getting quite high numbers of this. Uh, cannot get me booked in over the weekend. Call back on Monday, call back on Monday, there are no appointments. I have to call back on Tuesday, call back on Tuesday. Guess what? No appointments. So now we're in a situation where I have no idea why I have been chosen to get COVID. All I can think of is either because I'm a fat bastard or because of my brain. That's it. I had brain surgery when I was in my mid-twenties. Uh, I had constant checkups for about two years after that in case there was any further complications. All I can imagine is a box ticking exercise and nobody's actually looking at the person in this. It's more just of, do they fit a certain criteria? Have you ticked the box? Then you get it. Because I can tell you right now, there will be far more people who are in need of a vaccination than I am. I mean, I'm still going to get it. I'll still, I'll still gladly take it. But no, no indication as to why I've been selected. So God knows what happens now. Uh, it seems as if I've got to phone up every day. Phoning up every single morning uh, in the hope that I can get another appointment somewhere. I imagine there will be probably tens of thousands of people who are doing the exact same thing because either they've received a letter after the vaccination point or they've been given an appointment that they cannot possibly make. Because if I'm getting this the day after I was meant to get the vaccine, how much notice are people getting? This just seems like an another fuck up from the Scottish government. I, I mean, I don't understand how difficult these things can be. I don't know why we can't just do it. If we're doing it as age, or we're doing it in area, we're doing it in postcode, we work our way across the country. I don't know why we can't just... I don't know why we just can't be a bit more organised with it and just say, give everybody a month's notice, get letters out a month in advance and say to them, in a month's time, you have to be in this building at this time. You are, it is a legal binding date. Your employer cannot stop you attending. And that's it. You just turn along, fucking put your, lift your sleeve up, get your jag and then get home and die in your bed for a couple of days. And then do it again in a few months. I honestly couldn't believe it. When I opened it up, I was shocked. I did think it was spam. I thought it was a bam up. And then when I saw it was real, I, I was I was shocked that I'd been selected for it. It kind of felt like Willy Wonka for a moment. You know, I'm like, I'm fucking going to the factory. And then I realised that not only had I missed it, but I hadn't received it on time. And I was like, this is brilliant. This, this, this sums up the Scottish government at this moment in time. It really does. So, if anybody's uh, been vaccinated, uh, I hope you're well. And if anybody's not going to take the vaccine, generally get in touch. I'd love to know why you're not wanting to get it. Uh, and whenever you do get it later, make sure you check the date because you may literally have fucking two hours notice to get down there and get your jag because trying to get another appointment is going to be impossible. So at this rate, we're probably all going to be still waiting for our second vaccine in 2024. A year, man. One year. Over a hundred thousand dead. What a fucking year it's been. Speaking briefly about the Royal Mail, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I did not realise that the Royal Mail and the post office are not the same thing. Mind blown. I don't know if anybody else knew that. You probably did. You're probably shouting at the speaker, they're going, Gebo, you fat bastard, of course we knew that. 
the Royal, I thought the Royal Mail and the post office were brother and sister, bedfellows, cousins, if you will. You know, distant related aunties. What, what, father and son, hand in hand, working together, connecting the nation, one unlickable stamp at a time. No. The Royal Mail and the post office are separate things. I've only I've only realised that recently. Uh, my my wonderful girlfriend, my amazing missus, uh, she has a, a an Etsy store, an online store. Uh, she sells she sells her wear, art art prints, and different. Very good. You should check out Arthurprints.store is the name of it. And uh, I will go to the the post office or the uh, now the depot to drop off all the stuff to be sent out. And um, on one occasion to the post office, uh, turned, aw- turned away, turned away from the good old-fashioned British post office because, and I quote, that's Royal Mail, it's not us now. Who the fuck do you think you are? I don't think there is a... I think people who run a post office is the highest level of retail snobbery there is. I think you would struggle to find anybody else who has a higher opinion of themselves than someone who runs a post office. There is a post office around the corner from where I live, I imagine. There's a post office around the corner from where you live. And it is the shittest shop I have ever been in in my life. What what I find is, if a post office is a post office, now hear me out, if, if you go in... And the only thing that exists within those four walls is a post office. Then it's probably a decent post office. But if you go in and there is birthday cards, newspapers, bric-a-brac, framed pictures of white tigers, shite across the wall, handwritten, cut-out, neon card saying four pot noodles for a pound, then that will be a fucking shite post office now that's quite a broad brush on which I paint but I am telling you now that is factually correct if anybody's ever been in a normal post office there's just a post office boom 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 great service if you go into one that's a jack of all trades master of fuck all it's a nightmare one room for me brutal make up the prices as they go along that's why I stopped going there is now a sign in the window, saying, the post office, use it or lose it. Now, never have I seen such a passive-aggressive sign in my fucking life. The reason why your post office is not being used is because you're fucking shite at running a post office. And then you put a sign out saying, well, if you don't use us, you'll lose us. Good, fuck off then. Nobody, nobody cares. What is this idea that people know that this, this idea of grandeur going, we are the post office, and if you don't use us, you're shite, hen. You're fucking shite. Pack up and fuck off. So the post office, they're not the same thing. You know, I didn't know that. If you pay, as a lot of small businesses do, they'll pay for their deliveries online, so they'll use the Royal Mail uh, delivery service. They'll, they'll print their own uh, stickers, their own packaging, their own postage labels. Those things will then go to a depot. Uh, if you try and take them to the Royal Mail, uh, to the post office, sorry, they'll, they'll process them for you, but they'll look at you as if you fucking shat in their pocket. I fucking... I hate the post office. I hate that. There, there needs to be... There needs to be, a, like, an express line. You know sometimes when you go into a garage and it's got, like, a, a sign that says, Fuel Only? And there'll be like a big zigzag of people buying like a fucking prawn sandwich and Marks and Spencer's and a cream egg. And you're just like, man, I've just got £40, pump four. Straight in, straight out, right? Because it's a fucking garage. It's a petrol station and they've just stuck a Marks and Spencer's on it, right? To try and get a bit of extra money for all the fucking drunks wanting a pack of Percy Pigs at three in the morning. But its primary function is a fucking petrol station. So you get to pay for your fuel and you can fuck off. A post office needs an express line for people with POST <laughs> there needs to be a queue you need to walk in going can I help you sir or madam or fucking 
whatever. If you don't, if you know a son or a madam, just can I help you? Right? Even I would sell for that. What is it you got? Is it poster you have? I've got a fucking hundreds of parcels, mate. Parcels. Good old fashioned fucking parcels and envelopes, letters, shit you associate with a fucking post office. Here to be posted by you, the postman, in the fucking post office. Right this way. And you got an express aisle. You know? And there's somebody behind the till who knows what they're fucking doing. Understands weight, understands size. If any of you have ever been in a post office and they fucking get their wee limp hand out and hold up that plastic thing that's meant to be a fucking letterbox and then they try and squeeze it and it doesn't quite fit and that, well, that's going to have to be a large letter. Give me that, you fucking dick. First of all, find me a letterbox in the land that is that thin. The crack of your arse is wider than this letterbox. And see if you just put it in straight and try to put it in all wonky. Look, I know you're trying to fuck me on an extra 40 pence. If that's how you fucking sleep at night, go for it. <laughs> but that should be an express aisle. And if you turn up to the post office and you are a fucking junkie bastard or an old pensioner, I'm just trying to find out how much is in the account, son. Fuck off. Wait in the queue. Wait in the... I'm here to put £10 in the gas. <laughs> I was standing at the post office a couple of weeks ago. Mind their own business, putting the parcels in to get weighed. And this fucking brass monkey standing next to that, and I put £10 in the gas. I was like, are people still paying gas like this? What's happening? What is happening? We're building space hotels. We're vaccinating a global population against a deadly virus. And there's junkies still paying a tenner into their gas. What is happening? They need an express aisle. An express aisle so I can get served and get on my merry fucking way. post office, I hate it, I honestly, I don't mind the depot, the depot's fine, the depot's, do you know why the depot's fine, because you're dealing with posties, it's postmen and women, post people, you know, the, po the popels, God's people, the couriers, the queen's couriers, you know, Pat and his cat in the van, grown men in shorts, grown men in school children's shorts, not giving a fuck, you know, Large, burly, tattooed men, tall, thin beanpole, butch lesbians. All of them in shorts, not a fuck given. Come rain or snow, eh? Fully branded. Royal Mail jacket, Royal Mail polo, Royal Mail hat, Royal Mail van, Royal Mail shoes, Royal Mail shorts, Royal Mail bag, Royal Mail fucking pipe. Everything, heat to toe. Branded warriors. Brave in the streets. You know? Out in the elements, unless it's raining and they're not going out or, or icing, they kind of get the van up the street like, oh, fuck it, we'll do it tomorrow. You know? Or there's a dug in the garden. Fuck it. Fuck it. Don't mind the depot, because you go in, there's, there's post people. You know? They're outside, they're smoking, they're chatting, they're, they're launching parcels out of the van, some of them are standing far back in the depot and they're seeing how far they can throw the envelopes into the van. I like his banner. It's like, I like that kind of stuff, you know? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's one step, is it one step below or one step above uh, baggage handlers? The Royal Mail. It's probably a step above, isn't it? They're, they're carrying, yes, they're carrying smaller things, but they're carrying at a longer distance. Baggage handlers for the fucking thing into the doodah. Gone. Um, but you go in there and there's a, there's a guy or a woman, you know, and they just go, all right, a lot of the time, they're not even, some of them, uh, went the other day, and then uh, the guy was having a cup of tea, behind the perspex, you know, having a cup of tea, and I thought, fucking, why not, mate, why not, puts a wee hang up, gives me the finger, goes beep, 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 and he's like, right, big man, that's you, it'll go out the day, it'll go out the day, that's all I wanted to hear, off a pop. Not the anxiety fucking roller coaster that is the fucking post office. I don't know where I'm going with that rant. I'm just, I, I, the post office ruined for me. 
I fucking hate it. And I cannot wait till it closes. Cannot wait till it closes. And I, uh, yeah, I hope. <laughs> I hope. I hope that family never involves himself with any kind of admin or uh, or post function again because they're fucking god awful. God awful. Right, what are we going to talk about here? Um, food documentary that I saw. So, let me get this up. This is something you all need to check out. Um, late at night, stumbling, trying to find things to watch, and um, occasionally I do, we all know I love food, we've spoken about it enough. Occasionally I'll just type in food in the Amazon or Netflix, see what comes up. And uh, stumble across this little ditty. It's an absolute beauty. It's called Chef's Diaries, Scotland. Chef's Diaries, Scotland. Now, you get it on Amazon, that title again, Chef's Diaries, Scotland. Fucking get it watched. It is about the Rocker Brothers, who are possibly three of the most famous men in, in modern gastronomy. Uh, they run the restaurant El Keller de Canaroca in, uh, in Girona. In Espana. Uh, and they, um, I believe they won Best Restaurant in 2013. And I think they won again in 2015. You will know them. If, you, if you're if you into food, you will know them. If, if you're not, you've probably seen them in a couple of different shows. It's three brothers. One's a, one's a chef. One does pastry. We Jordi, the younger. And the other one's a chamele. The fucking bevy. The bevy guy, right? Now, the interesting thing about this is, let me, first of all, I'll just read the synopsis for the show. The Rocker Brothers, owners of the renowned restaurant El Quela Deca in Roca, embark on a new challenge, exploring Scotland. Their journey will see them rediscover a cuisine that has kept itself hidden from the world in the past years. Um, the, the, the documentary itself is brilliant. What the guys are doing is they are trying to curate different menus for the restaurant. I imagine if you are operating at that level of cooking, where you're a three Michelin star chef, and you could maybe have two or three years where you will be cooking the same food over and over. Because that's probably, I would imagine, the lifespan of getting everybody in the restaurant. So if you are a three Michelin star chef, or a three Michelin star restaurant. That is a restaurant that is... I, I think the way they grade them is... One one star is the Michelin guide saying, this is a restaurant that you should... Uh, you, you should eat at because the food is exceptional. A two Michelin star is something that you should try and get to because there's something a little bit special there. And a three Michelin star is as far as you can go, like, whatever you do, seek this place out, wherever you are in the world, you have to make a pilgrimage almost to get to this place, because it's life-changing, the struggle for chefs then comes to maintain three stars, so I imagine, and again, I'm just guessing at this, but I imagine two or three years is probably the life cycle of everybody in the world who wants to come along and see you, and then you'll start to change menus over, now within that, you're obviously changing seasons, and food, and cultures, and ideas, and whatnot, but the documentary starts with a brief introduction about three brothers and a brief introduction about the their history with the restaurant and then look talking about curating these different menus and the place that they want to go to is Scotland. And I found that I found it one quite astonishing. But then as it went on I was thinking I'm going, well why wouldn't they want to come to Scotland? It's one of the oldest countries in the world. It has an incredible food heritage. And, and the thing that probably a lot of people don't realise, a lot of our produce goes all over the world. Scotland has some of the finest produce on the fucking planet. Game, best in the world. Meat, everybody knows Aberdeen Angus. Everybody knows that Scottish beef is some of the finest beef in the world. Fruit and veg, Scottish raspberries, Scottish strawberries. Um, we all know the problem with the fisheries we all know the fucking Spaniards try again we all know that some ridiculous like 70-80% of the fish that's landed in Scotland doesn't even make it to Scotland there's, there's quite an interesting point in it where there's a guy from Oban 
who has been on a couple of food documentaries, he's, he's a bit of a showman and it's quite difficult to watch him sometimes. Thankfully, he's not on it for too long. Um, he talks about scampi and he talks about buying scampi in a supermarket in Oban. And the scampi that he buys in that supermarket was landed in Oban. So the fishing boats go out, they catch the fish, catch the fish eel, eat of the fish eel, bring the fish to Oban where it's landed. That fish then goes out to the far e- to the Middle East, no, Far East, out to Asia, uh, where it is peeled. Either the fish is descaled uh, or the prawns are peeled, it's processed. It then comes back to Europe, which I imagine would be France or Germany, because he just says Europe, processed into scampi in a factory, and then it's sold back the Scottish consumer as frozen scampi in a supermarket. That bit of fish has probably travelled tens of thousands of miles around the world, touched endless number of hands, been through God knows how many different types of machinery to end up back in the fucking town where it was caught. The fact that the fact that people say things like they love lobster. Scottish lobster is incredible if you ever had it. And then I've known people who do things like they won't eat longestine. Scottish longestine is like prized in France. It's in, it's insane. And when you actually look at the things in the documentary, when it talks about whiskies and it talks about haggis and it talks about the, the produce here and, and the history of it, you have got three of the most acclaimed men in, in modern cooking so enthused and excited by it yeah a lot of people here probably couldn't give a fuck I mean I, I'm quite ashamed in a way that I love food I love cooking I love eating food I'm a proud Scotsman I cannot stand whiskey I have made I've made no attempt to try and enjoy it I've always had this lovely idea in my head of being the old guy in a pub sitting with a big cigar and a whiskey at the end of the bar just telling stories I would love that but maybe I should give it another go maybe I need to find a way to introduce myself to it there are they, they go to an award winning butchers up in a, I believe Pit Lockery I'm not I can't really remember it might be even Block Elhead and they're talking to the guy who makes like you know the, the, the prize haggis I've never had that I've had haggis yes but shouldn't I be seeking out from a butcher's I have two award-winning butchers, one literally around the corner from me, uh, here in Leith. Incredible butchers. But I still buy my stuff from the supermarket. Why do I do that? I am, you know, a hypocrite when it comes to this stuff. I'm sitting watching it and I'm angered because I'm going, there is so much amazing produce in Scotland that I am not attempting to be involved with, attempting to buy, attempting to use. You know, I'm, I'm sitting going, people should, we should be more proud of our stuff in Scotland and we, we should we should do more with it. And at the same time, I've got a Tesco and buying shite stuff at a Tesco. It's, it's a great documentary. If you get a chance to watch it, also, um, and I know I mentioned this on Sunday, so apologies to those of you who listen to Sunday service. Jordy Rocker, the youngest of the Rocker brothers, has got a, he has got an episode on uh, Chef's Table on Netflix. Uh, if you go to Netflix, go to Chef's Table, go to the Pastry uh, series, Jordy Rock is in that, and it's an amazing one. He is an incredible chef, and you should check that out if you get a chance. But definitely watch Chef's Diaries Scotland on Amazon. It's available now. If you've got Amazon Prime, you can get it for free. Uh, if not, get it and watch it, because it's brilliant. And it just shows you how beautiful Scotland is, how incredible our produce is, and how thought after our produce is from across the world and maybe maybe more needs to be done for us to take pride in that we, we should be proud of the fact that arguably the best chef in the world wants to come and learn about our produce and learn about our cuisine we should be proud of that we, we, we shouldn't be listen I've spoken about it briefly about the power of language and how we need to be more mindful of words that we say in certain situations, because not everybody will know we're joking. But we also have to be mindful of how we portray ourselves. If there are people who are in a positions of authority, 
positions of knowledge and are saying Scotland has some of the finest food in the world, some of the finest cuisine history in the world. I want to learn about it, I want to explore it and I want to repackage it and present it to my guests. We should be talking that up and be proud of that. We shouldn't be going, aye, but have you tried Buckfast or have you tried Iron Brew or deep fried pizza? We're our own worst enemy at times. We're our own worst enemy. So watch it. Chef's Diaries, Scotland, on Amazon. Rocker Brothers. Brilliant. Check it out. Right, I'm going to finish up with this and... When I, when I first heard about this, a wave of anger and aggression filled my body. So much, I felt alive. And in, a, in an odd way, I suppose I've got to thank this person. But I, but I won't, because he's a fucking idiot. Um, this is a, a, an article um, that I believe came out at the start of the week. I think it happened over the weekend. And I certainly saw it the weekend. And it's talking about Orlando Bloom. Now, Orlando Bloom has done a, a, an online interview. And it's been getting slated. And uh, and rightly so. Oddly, again, the the contrast now between British media is so, so startling. It's, it's fucking mind-blowing. This this interview by Orlando Bloom is a, is a joke. It's... The fact that it's serious makes it even better, right? If he was trying to be funny, it wouldn't have the same impact. But the fact that he's deadly serious makes it even more alarming. Uh, the article that I'm taking this on is from Sky News. Uh, it was reported in two other papers that I saw. But then again, I've, I've, I read part of The Guardian's response to it as well. And... Uh, Honestly, I don't know if there's any hope for fucking this country, man. I really don't know if there's any hope for this society whatsoever. So, you, you may have seen this, you may have not. If you haven't, I'm going to read it for you and, and you need to seek it out because it is just, it's uh, it's spectacular. It's absolutely spectacular. Um, Orlando Bloom says he starts his day with brain octane oil, whatever the fuck that is, and some green powders, green, green powders before taking a hike listening to grunge music. Now, that is just to start it. So, the mystery of cows, the wonder of octane oil and the hikes to the sounds of Nirvana, just a brief insight into how Hollywood actor Orlando Bloom spends his mornings. The Pirates of the Caribbean star has set the internet ablaze after the interview with the Sunday Times in which he set out his morning routine. Uh, in it, he says, he liked to earn his breakfast and starts the day with some green powders. Then he mixes the brain octane oil, a collagen powder and some protein. Uh, Bloom goes on to describe it as it's quite early. Now let me let me just read let me just read this to you, right? This is this is the excerpt. This is what was read to me, which sent me over the edge. So let me just read this to you. Now these these are these are Orlando Bloom's words. This is not this is not a writer, this is not satire, this is this is real, right? This is this is to the times, this is his modern routine. Here we go. Now before we even start, right? What, what is Orlando Bloom? Is he an actor? Because other than Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Which I forgot he was in. And uh, Lord of the Rings when he plays the fucking, the cunt with the bow and arrow. What has he done? Nothing. He's like fucking one of the Harry Potter cunts. He's locked out. What did, he, did anybody know him before uh, fucking Lord of the Rings? No. He's came in, he's done one movie, he's been given Pirates of the Caribbean because Lord of the Rings was so massive, and now he's done enough to fucking sit back and never work again, because he's fucking shite, and now he's become a Hollywood mental cunt, getting pumped off Katy Perry and, and Dane Mad Times interviews, what else has he done? Name me one other, I've got a gun in your head, I'm going to murder your family, name me one other film that Orlando Bloom's been in, I've got pull the trigger mate, not a fucking clue, boom, deed, not a clue, but he probably made fucking tens of millions, I saw a thing the other day talking about Chris Hemsworth. I don't think he's a particularly very good actor. Apparently, for playing fucking Thor, all of the times that he has played Thor, whether it be the Thor movies, the fucking Marvel Universe pish, $80 million. Eight, let me say that again. 
80 million dollars that cunt has earned playing Thor. Pull the plug, man. This planet's fucked. So let me just read this to you. This is the uh, Hollywood, Hollywood superstar. I mean, superstar's a bit of fucking strong terminology. But this is the Hollywood superstar, Orlando Bloom's statement as to how he starts his day. <clears throat> Here we go. Now, I'm not making this up. This is word for word. I'm not I'm no adding anything. I'm not taking anything away. This is word for word, lifted from the interview in the paper. Orlando Bloom. I like to earn my breakfast, so I'll just have some green powders that I mix with brain octane oil, a collagen powder for my hair and nails, and some protein. It's all quite LA, really. Then I'll go for a hike while I listen to some Nirvana or Stone Temple Pilots. By 9am it's breakfast, which is usually porridge, a little hazelnut milk, cinnamon, vanilla paste, hazelnuts, goji berries, a vegan protein powder, and a cup of PJ tips. I'm 90% plant-based, so I'll only eat a really good piece of red meat, maybe once a month. I sometimes look at a cow and think, that's the most beautiful thing ever. My son spends half his time with me and half with my ex-wife. If he's with us, I get him breakfast before school, then I'll have a shower and get dressed. I like to make an effort, no tracksuit bottoms. I have a deal with Amazon where I work on projects exclusively for them. I spend a lot of my time dreaming about roles for myself and others, for minorities and women. I'm trying to be a voice for everybody. I had this remarkable opening chapter to my career, for which I was only semi-present. Without my Buddhist practice, I could have easily come off the rails. I've been changing the narrative in my head and feel that I can be the driver of my train. I can set it alight. But I can get the fire crew and put it out. Orlando Bloom, ladies and gentlemen. Multi-millionaire, professional fucking nutter. Orlando Bloom. I literally have no words. I mean, let's just go back here and assess this cunt's breakdown his day. He wants to earn his breakfast. Now, by earning his breakfast, it seems as if he, uh, he goes for a hike, I imagine, up the, the LA uh, mountains as he listens to some Nirvana or Stone Temple pilots. Now, how he does this every morning uh, and then does not commit suicide is, is beyond me. But uh, that's what he does. I imagine he was probably at a loss as to what bands to put in there. Because I'm sure... Secretly, if he told you the truth, he'd probably wake up, uh, drink the blood of some poor children, and then hike to the sound of his own voice. That seems very LA, doesn't it? 9am, it's porridge for his breakfast. Porridge for your breakfast. Porridge? Now, there's nothing better than porridge for breakfast. Other than a fry-up or eggs, Benny, porridge is a great breakfast. But here's what you put in porridge. You put porridge, you put whole milk, okay? You don't put skim milk, you don't put semi-skim milk, you don't put any oat milk dairy alternatives, because then it's no porridge. It's blue top, whole milk in your porridge. Then you add sugar or salt. Now, if you're a posh cunt, you can maybe substitute the sugar for something like honey. Acceptable. I'll accept honey. But the toppings are sugar or salt. Here's things you don't add to your porridge. You don't add hazelnut milk. <laughs> you don't add that. You don't add cinnamon. You certainly don't add vanilla paste. You do not add goji berries. And you certainly don't add a vegan protein powder mix to your porridge. But then he has a, a couple of PG tips. Now he's putting that in there to try and tell people that he's just he's just one of you. He just he just sits there. He's goji berry porridge and PG tips. He's just like you. He's just one of us. Just a normal cunt in LA. I mean, the the biggest worry from that is that he's got a son. You know, so I do hope that whoever did this interview has notified the authorities of this routine, and I hope that child is taken into protective custody, because he should not be around this madness. I mean, this podcast. An episode is tying in perfectly because we started by saying how would you get someone sectioned and now I'm really thinking I need to know because Orlando Bloom needs to be sectioned. 
I spend a lot of my time dreaming about roles for myself and others, for minorities and women. I'm sure to all the minority actors in LA, you'll be absolutely overjoyed to know that fucking Goji Berry's PG Tips Orlando Bloom is sitting dreaming up roles for you. Over fucking joyed. Your struggle is finished. Finished. Equality is on its way because Orlando Bloom is here to save the day. What a fucking toilet. Without my Buddhist practice, I could easily have gone off the rails. Orlando, my boy, I would say that you have gone off the rails already, mate. Enjoy your goji berries. Enjoy your vanilla paste. And enjoy your posh bastard LA porridge. Because you, my boy, are beyond sectioning. Beyond it. Episode 74 of the Scott Gibson Show. A ranty one. A rambly one. But hey, it's what you've come to expect. Thank you for listening. Uh, share it, subscribe, like it, fucking pass it on, whisper it into the wind, write it on fences, scribe it into a post box, tell people, spread the word. If you enjoy the show and you want to support it, become a Patreon, become a rascal. It's the only way you access all the content every single Sunday. A new episode of the Sunday service goes out only for patrons. So sign up now, patreon.com forward slash bigscottgibson, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash bigscottgibson. You can sign up for as little as £4 a month, a pound a week, eh? 50p a podcast. Absolute fuck all. I'm practically giving it away. So do that if you haven't already, uh, become a patron. That's it. Uh, in the meantime, stay safe, get in touch with any questions. Uh, you know, nothing else to say there now. Uh, that's us. We need to find a better way to wrap up the episodes because it seems as if we just kind of come to a gradual uh, a gradual end and we, we fizzle out. But, you know, be like Orlando. Get some gojis and some powder. Uh, right, last set team. That's us. 74 in the bag. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for watching if you're on the YouTube. Uh, look after yourself. One year in lockdown. The end is coming. Let's hope. Stay safe. Wash your hands and your arsehole. Hopefully I'll see you in a battlefield very, very soon. Onwards. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.